The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We will talk about the woeful Packer game. Uh, Packers do not have any consistency. Where do we go from here? Uh, after a disappointing loss in a disappointing season, we'll talk about questions for the bar. We'll also do golden kegs. We'll wrap up today's show with talking betting lines for Badgers and Wisconsin, as well as Bucks Sixers, both uh, going on this evening. I don't know if we have. I don't think we have any college basketball uh, in the state this weekend. Maybe Green Bay or Milwaukee, but. Oh, I think Green Bay plays this afternoon. We don't really care about Green Bay and Milwaukee. Let's just be honest there. Uh, But yeah, that'll be the show. Maybe do a little Twitter uh, Qatar stuff at the end, uh, just for shits and giggles, a little Friday free talk. Uh, But we'll see if we'll get there. Uh, We'll see how I'm feeling. I know I got to get this up because it's been late. I apologize. I'll be honest. I really wasn't in the mood yesterday. And I probably need to do a better job of that. Uh, channel it into the podcast. I think you guys would probably enjoy that. Uh, I think I would have probably come off like a crazy person, uh, but I've slept on it. I've a uh, still feeling like shit, but at least I'm a, I'm a little more alive. Before I get going, just wanted to uh, talk about what you got to do on social media. Follow along, uh, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. I know we're growing that TikTok page because trolls are starting to follow us, like Vikings fans, which. I, I get it. You want to see us miserable. I, I understand this. Um, and it's all good. It's all in fair game. I think someone's like, I'm here to watch Packer fans' tears. And I said, look, welcome in. Beer's cold. Uh, enjoy. Uh, but that's okay. That's fine. If they can't find Vikings content for them and they need to go to me, that's I, I can be that guy. If they're now listening to the podcast, if they really want to take it a step further, they can subscribe on Apple or, or Spotify. If you want to leave a rating or a review, I think that would be much appreciated. I would appreciate that uh, to start the weekend. That would be a great way to kick off the Friday. All right, let's waste no more time and let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. The Thursday night game was dreadful. Uh, There's no better way to say it. The Packers were booed off the field. Uh, The Packers looked like the team that we saw during the five-game losing streak and not like the team that beat the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Uh, Mitch worried a couple days ago on Tapping the Keg podcast, which you can go listen to, where Mitch was very concerned about the hangover, right? Mitch was very concerned that the Packers wouldn't be able to carry the momentum. Rather, they would sort of feel hungover from what happened to them in the game against Dallas. Sure enough, that is exactly what happened. The Green Bay Packers looked like they did not want to be there. The Tennessee Titans took it to the Green Bay Packers from the first drive on, and the Packers were playing catch-up the rest of the way. The Packers never led in this football game. The Titans had full control, and the Titans took it to Green Bay. And we've said there's a lot of moments this season that have been wake-up calls, but that should certainly be a wake-up call in a lot of facets of football. Number one, the Titans are tougher than the Green Bay Packers ever could have imagined, right? The Titans are basically a welder, while the Packers are just a rich, prissy kid who is getting by on daddy's money. The Titans are monsters, all right? And yes, I think we all underrated the Titans. I said I was a little bit like it was overhyped. Guess what? I, I watch that team. I'm a believer now that they can do all the little things. And I'm starting to wonder if Mike Vrabel is the next Bill Belichick. Like, I, okay, I, just real quick on that. I, I realize you probably dropped your coffee. You probably spilled your drink. But just hear me out on this. 
I think the way Vrabel coaches is Belichick-esque. Maybe that's the better way to say it, where he gets the most out of guys, and it doesn't matter what their roster looks like, they're still going to win football games. I would not be surprised. I don't know if this could happen or will happen, but I would not be surprised if the New England Patriots, when they need a coach, whenever Bill Belichick decides to step down, if they look at Mike Vrabel, who is a longtime Patriot, and they try to bring Vrabel from the Titans to the Patriots. I have no idea if that's possible. I have no idea if it will work. But I look at that guy and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what like, that was like dealing with Belichick. Now, granted, the Packers were pretty successful against Belichick in the past, and they were successful against Vrabel two years ago. It was not the case tonight. And part of it was getting torn up by the Tennessee offense, who scored 27 points, scored their first fourth quarter touchdown, who scored 27 points for the first time all season. It's one of the more embarrassing things that has happened all season. Uh, it's maybe worse than the Jets, maybe worse than Giants comeback. Like, the Titans offense has been terrible all year. Part of the reason why I thought the Packers could win this game is because they could slow down that Titans offense. That the Packers defense, while not great, still good enough to slow down a 31st-ranked passing offense. And I did say to Shannon yesterday, I was like, if Ryan Tannehill beats us, if he has 285, uh, you know what? So be it. But not like this. I know that's weird. Like, that sounds hypocritical. But Ryan Tannehill basically did not miss at all. He had, like, four incompletions all game. Uh, he had over 300 yards. It was Tannehill's best game of the season. And that should be all we need from Joe Barry, right? That should be all we need from Joe Barry when it comes to him being the defensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur should not waste any more time. It should be Joe Barry's out of a job today. That's it, all right? Like, they have 10 days to prepare for Philadelphia. Cut the cord now. Get somebody else to running that team, whether it's Kurt Alvalade or Jerry Gray. Like, one of those guys, Jerry, I mean, there's other defensive guys they could go with too. But, like, get somebody else running that defense because we've seen enough, right? And it would be the classic, what we talked about earlier this week. It's a little too late. It's not... If you did this after Detroit, which I know Detroit was probably the best defensive game the Packers have played, but if you did, let's say, before Washington, right? And you're like, all right, November and December, we're going in with a new defensive coordinator. I think I think that would, would have inspired a lot. I think that would have maybe turned things slightly around on the defensive side of the football. I do agree with Aaron Nagler, who said LaFleur's painted himself in a corner because he wanted Joe Barry. He got rid of Mike Patton for doing kind of the same shit, right? Mike Patton had issues with soft zones and playing coverage, and Joe Barry does the exact same fucking thing. So what does that say about Matt LaFleur, the talent evaluator? I think there is a big Matt LaFleur talent evaluator discussion. Uh, we don't, we'll have that on another podcast. I think that's one we can bank because that to me is the most concerning thing about Matt LaFleur right now. And I worry sort of where that goes from here because you are going to have turnover. You're going to have coaches leave. You're going to have coaches retire. And it does not seem like Matt LaFleur is really that thoughtful about it or that he looks at the wrong things. And I, I think that's something the Packers have to address this offseason. And so, yeah, the defense, there's nothing, there were a couple things like, and we'll talk about it in Golden Kegs, but to get beat like that by Ryan Tannehill should be a, a wake-up call and should just be the ultimate, like, we can't keep going on with Joe Barry. And I don't know who has to make that call. I don't know if Mark Murphy comes down and says, look, we're getting rid of Barry, whether you like it or not. I know he's your guy. If you don't agree with it, you can go too. 
and just say fuck it um, because Joe Barry is it's he's not a dude he's not an off he's not a defensive coordinator he we worried about the fact that he had an 0-16 team we had, he had a bad Washington team but we said oh maybe maybe it's because Joe Barry didn't have enough talent well Joe Barry has the talent and he still sucks so answer me yeah offensively you know they fought until they didn't right uh, Packers you know kept playing from behind and they looked okay and that second quarter I mean I think we'll look back at that game and look at the second quarter as sort of the difference if the defense gets off the field and gives the Packers a little more of a chance and a little opportunity at momentum who knows maybe Green Bay is going into halftime with a lead versus trailing trailing Tennessee I believe it was 14-6 at that time so I, I, I do think that's potential that that's on the table and there is some defensive fault to the Packers offense. But I'm not going to excuse the fourth quarter from Aaron Rodgers. He fell apart. So whether it was the thumb, uh, whether it was something else, the fourth quarter was fucking ugly. And it wasn't even just from Rodgers, but Rodgers particularly. Let's stay on that and we'll talk about the other guys. Rodgers just kind of looked like he didn't want to be there, right? It looked like he was too cold. It looked like he would rather just be warmed up, having a scotch, and not playing football. And we saw this with Brett Favre late in his career, where if it got to a certain degree, a certain temperature, Favre would look cold out there and not necessarily the quarterback that we all knew and loved at the time. But it wasn't just Rodgers that looked terrible. Alan Lazard had some really weird moments uh, that I, I just didn't understand where he cut off some routes. He wasn't always there. He had a drop, um, which I, Alan Lazard, I, I said it on Twitter, a little frustration, but I don't know if Alan Lazard's a number two receiver, right? I know he's Rogers' buddy, but a lot of miscues from Alan Lazard. You know, the sum of all parts, I don't think equals a number two or a number one wide receiver. Green Bay also could do nothing on the ground. A lot of people hyped up that Titans run defense that has been good of late. I, again, my dumb brain was like, well, they've, they've, they haven't really played any good running backs besides John Taylor got hurt during the game. Like they haven't really played any running backs that are good. Lo and behold, Titans run defense, held strong, and beat the Green Bay Packers, and they beat him up. And I don't understand Matt LaFar keeping going back to the run. I thought that was a very odd thing. I know it's it's contradicting to what we've said all season, where it's like, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But the Packers did not need to run the football. That was not something that... The Packers should have done this game. They had no business running that football. It should have been Green Bay passing and airing it out with Rodgers, Watson, Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Robert Tunyon. And even though Rodgers did look bad in that fourth quarter, who knows? Maybe that would have got him going. And the Packers need, needed to be a little less stubborn with the run. And, and I know it's a juxtaposition to what we've all talked about all fucking season. But the Titans, we just, you got to play the team's weaknesses, right? You can't feed right into the beast. You can't just be like, okay, here you go. Run up the middle. Like that fourth and one to end the game, essentially. Running away Aaron Jones was pathetic, okay? Made no sense. I just hoped when this game, after beating Dallas, I just hoped that the Packers were going to build some consistency. That things were over, right? That we were done with all the bullshit. It's like when you're house training a dog, right? And they don't pee in the house for like two weeks. And then they take a massive shit in the corner. 
and you're like, I thought we were done with this. We are not. This is a bad football team, right? This is a team that it's hard to defend. I was on the island of that they still will make the playoffs. I guess I'm on that island still, um, but uh, it's taken on water. Um, and I might need to call for help. I might need to get rescued from that island because it, it doesn't look good here. Uh, the food's running out. Uh, the natives are getting restless. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem. But obviously, your dumb brain can't, can't exactly turn it off. And I'm sure after, as we get closer to the Philadelphia game, I will try to convince myself they're going to win the game. But I will say that I, I don't know if it's worth putting the passion. And we'll, we'll talk about that at questions bar. I don't want to, I don't want to stop by that. I, I want to get back to the idea of just like the Buccaneers beat the Rams a couple weeks ago, right? They beat the Rams. Now, then they beat the Seahawks in Germany. Again, a different environment, similar to Packers Thursday night, right? It's a little different, but it's kind of the same. And the Buccaneers now are five and five. Buccaneers are leading the NFC South. I know the NFC South's bad. Packers do not have that luxury. It doesn't matter. Green Bay, I thought, was going to do this. I thought that that Dallas game was the turning of the corner. And now you can make excuses and say, well, if this was a Sunday game, maybe it would have been different. Yeah, but I don't know. Tennessee's really well coached. They're really, they're really physical. They're, as you know, our podcast partner Mitch said, it was probably the last team you wanted to face in that scenario. If it was Thursday night against the Bears, guess what? You're getting up for that. If it's Thursday night against the Lions even, you're probably getting up for that. If it's a longtime rival, maybe like Seattle, for example, or San Francisco. Well, San Francisco is a bad example. Uh, but Seattle, Seattle's a good one. Like you get up for Seattle, right? You're going to get up for that game. Rams too, another team that's been sort of a pseudo rival. Like those are games you're going to get up for. You're not going to get up for the, the not necessarily get up for, but it's like, the Titans are such a physical, it, it, I'm kind of doing a bad job, but it, what I'm trying to say is like the hangover is still there because it's a physical daunting task versus, hey, this is a rival, we want to beat them too, right? And so that's that's how I'm trying to, I, land, I feel like I landed the plane. But, any, but anyways, they had an opportunity to right the ship and instead they burned it all down. And that needed, needed to be different. Packers need to be mentally tough, and they weren't. And it sums up the season, right? It, we talked about it a little too late, and I, I still believe that. And I think that is the theme. But the other theme is the Packers need to find some mental toughness. Packers need to find some character. They need to find some leaders. And it can't just be Aaron Rodgers. And this is not an indictment on Rodgers' leadership. Rather, I don't know how many leaders they have in that locker room. And the whole selecting captains, fuck that. Pick your captains and tell those captains you need to lead from the fucking front, okay? And no more nice guys, all right? I wish the Packers could play like the Titans, and they and I'll I'll wish it probably the rest of the year. But now it's on Philadelphia, and we wonder where we go from here. And just a reminder before we go on to questions from the bar: this is a failure from top down, from Mark Murphy to the last guy on the fucking roster. It, it is a complete and utter failure. This team had lost three games. This team was an NFC title contender and they did not have the action plan to move on from Devontae Adams. I understand Devontae did not want to be here. That's fine. We're, we've been over that. 
But they did not have the succession plan built out. They did not figure it out to say, okay, Devontae leaves and we're going to win with defense, but we're going to have the worst defensive coordinator in football isn't exactly getting it done. Now is it? Moving on to questions from the bar. Uh, this is kind of a new segment that we've been doing where we talk, just have a couple like general questions before we go in the golden kegs, before we go back to talking about the game, but just more of like, after we are done with this game, what questions are you guys talking about at your local dives tonight? Like, what are those conversations looking like? What what, what are we having while we, while we watch the Bucks game? What, what, what questions do you have? Number one, should you care as much about this team anymore? So I had said in the review, if you missed it, that I'm not going to care as much. And someone would be like, well, what do you mean by that? Are you not going to watch? No, I'll watch every game. I'm masochist. I watched, I've, I rarely miss the Packer game. Uh, it has, it's few and far between. I'd have to go through the list of Packer games that I've missed, but I can pretty much tell you where I've been for most. I should actually do that just for my own sick twisted. I, the last one I vividly remember missing and not, not watching a majority of was the Packers Lions game last game of the season last year. Cause I was in Hawaii and, uh, my wife wasn't exactly down with 8 a.m. football. And nor did I care, honestly, because it was Jordan Love and, you know, whatever. But anyways, here nor there. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I still think you should care somewhat, but not put as much energy into it, right? Like, I'm very superstitious. Like, I'll wear shirts if we're winning. I'll, you know, move seats if, like, it's it's been a bad, bad quarter, bad half, whatever. I'm not doing any of that shit. I'm just rolling out with whatever I have. I'm not probably going to put on any Packer here. If I'm wearing it by happenstance, great. But I'm not going to try to force the issue anymore. Um, it's just, I'm just going to watch this team like normal. And like it's a normal regular season NBA game or a regular season baseball game. That's kind of the approach I'm going to take the rest of the year. Now, if they win two straight against Philly and Chicago and then they're six and seven, and Aaron Rodgers feels like they can win all six games. He's not wrong. I mean, they, they're talented enough, right? I just, I don't believe it. And, and yes, it might take firing Joe Barry. It might, it's going to take an all-out effort against the Eagles. It's very bizarre and spooky. The fact that, oh, actually, that's the next question. So let's, let's do, let's do that. Did you know that the run the table year Featured an embarrassing loss to the Tennessee Titans, then a primetime win against Philadelphia, and the rest was history. Yeah, that's really weird, right? Uh, if you go back to 2016, Packers get embarrassed by Tennessee. It was a noon game. I remember they got absolutely shit-pumped by Tennessee. I was still writing blogs back then, and I wrote for Mike McCarthy to be fired. All right, I called for Mike McCarthy's job. And then Aaron Rodgers gives, I think they had a bye. Um, if I'm not mistaken, let's look that up. Um, but regardless, Aaron Rodgers then talks about running the table. And sure enough, the Green Bay Packers do run the table. Packers win their next six games into the playoffs. They get they beat Dallas on the Jared Cook play that, that Shannon talked about this week. And then they you know lose to Atlanta at the end. And they just kind of ran out of gas. Like, and they didn't have anybody left from a corner perspective. And Julio Jones tore up. Well, they, uh, they beat the Giants before they beat the Cowboys. The Giants, that was the infamous Odell picture and everything else. But yes, so you go Giants, Cowboys, Falcons, and then they lost the Falcons, who should have probably won the Super Bowl, and that's the infamous 28-3 game. But yes, oh, they, I'm sorry. It was not 
It's not as spooky as I thought it was. Damn it. Oh, I, I screwed this up. <laughs> but yeah, they lost to the Titans, but then they also lost to the Washington, then Redskins. Uh, two back-to-back -back embarrassing losses, two blowouts. Um, and then they followed that up. Then the run to table happened. They would go on to beat the Eagles, Texans, Seahawks, Bears, Vikings, Lions. And that Seahawks game, if you remember, that Seahawks game was good. No one thought they'd have a shot against them. Seahawks, I believe, were in the playoffs that year. And Green Bay blew them the fuck out. And that was kind of the turn. I mean, there were a, there were a lot of things that broke the Packers' way. There was a Ty Montgomery game against the Chicago Bears. They had to win that on a last-second field goal. Like, it, it all broke in their favor. And the Packers have not caught one fucking break. And again, the Eagles are very talented. Does the schedule get easier after the Eagles? Yes. Can we assume that Green Bay can beat the Eagles? Absolutely not. Right? Like the Packers are probably going to be eight or nine point dogs in that game in Philadelphia. I realize Philadelphia almost lost a or lost as double digit favorite against Washington at home last week, but it's a divisional game. There's a difference. But Green Bay does have to throw the kitchen sink at Philadelphia, and they have to try to you know they have to win every game out and. I think there's a potential you could get in at nine and eight, but I don't really want to tempt that fate. And you need to just keep winning football games. But I can't look at this and say like, yeah, they're going to be a playoff team. They have a 6% chance. I'm just going to take it day by day and game by game. And that's how we're going to roll. And yeah, I think that'll be, that'll be a better way to do this than to put all your heart, all your eggs in the basket. I think today, yesterday was kind of the one that things got sort of ripped out of me, honestly. Um, so last question for the bar before we go to Golden Kegs. How is this season different if if Christian Watson's healthy and if they took a bye after London? Okay, twofer. If Christian Watson's healthy, I think the Green Bay Packers are at least 500 right now. I don't know who they beat. I don't know who they lose. They, well, they, they've lost almost everybody. But I, I don't know what's the wins and what's the losses. But if Christian Watson stayed healthy this entire year, didn't have a hamstring issue, was able to play in the games against Tampa, the games against New England. I think A, we're talking about Christian Watson for rookie of the year. I think B, uh, Green Bay at least has two or three more wins. And Green Bay could be a six-win team, seven-win team. Like I, I, There were so many either-or games. The only games where I can really say the Packers lost were the Jets and the Minnesota Vikings. Those are the two games I can really point to and say Green Bay lost. And I, I will say the Titans. I think you have to put the Titans there. So I would put those three games as like, those are the games where I'm like, all right, Packers lost that game. There's not like those moments where you're like, oh my God, maybe. You could point to the officials a little bit today in the game against Tennessee, but I'm not going to go there. You got your ass kicked. And that's, that's just it. And so yeah, I, I think those are the ones you point to um, in terms of the losses. And But yeah, with Watson, I think you would have had a much better year than you are right now at 4-7. and seven. Uh, The question about London, if they had taken a bye. So the Packers requested not to have a bye after London. And that started their spiral. They looked unprepared against the Jets. Similarly to this Titans game, right? They looked unprepared after sort of a big moment. And not that necessarily London was good, but it was this big thing. And the Packers didn't look like they came to work. And they got beat by the Jets. And it was, again, one of their worst losses of the year, as mentioned just recently. It, it's, it's really an interesting thing, right? Had they taken that bye 
And then let's say they played the Jets or they played Washington and they played the Jets later in the year. You know, yeah, maybe maybe things are different. Because if you think about it, they take that bye. It's three and two. It's an early bye, but you get a chance to reset. You get a chance to think through, like, everything that's going on. Maybe your injuries that you had to Dobbs and to, you know, other guys, Devondre Campbell, uh, maybe those don't happen. Maybe because they get that week off. Who knows, right? But, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting what if on the season. I don't know how much it changes. You might just still be bad, but it could have maybe gave you that time to take a breath. I don't think Green Bay has taken that breath. And I think some of it has led to overthinking and overmanaging. And I think you kind of saw that in that Tennessee game. All right, let's move on to Golden Kegs. Golden Kegs is our weekly segment where we break down the best and worst Packers from the game. Uh, it's done for every game, whether we win or lose. I try to do it for the Bucs. It's harder for the Bucs, I'll be honest. Um, I I don't know. Maybe for the podcast purposes, we need to do like a weekly golden kegs for the Bucs. So you don't want to do it on Monday because we have all the all the football. We can do it this Monday, obviously, because Bucks or Packers don't play this weekend. But maybe it's something we do as a weekly check-in for the podcast. On social, we do it for every game. Uh, I was I've been bad, but I've been I'll pick it back up, I promise. It's been it's been tough content wise, but that's here and there. there. Uh, so follow along on tapping the keg sports. Okay, five kegs. Quay Walker. I thought Quay Walker played really well. This was a breakout game for Quay Walker. As Christian Watson broke out against Dallas, Quay Walker broke out against Tennessee Titans. He did really well against Derrick Henry. Uh, he was everywhere. He was hitting him hard. He was the type of physical player that you could match up with a guy like Derrick Henry. If there's one thing to be encouraged from this game, it's Quay Walker. And it's the fact that the Packers have a linebacker that can bang with the best of them, that can get in there and get dirty against a big running back. I think that bodes well for when you play a team like San Francisco again. All right. So I love what Quay Walker did in this game. And he deserves a ton of credit for the way he played and and prepared and was ready to go. And you could also point to, yeah, young legs, right? He only had a couple games left, but he kind of came into his own and it takes defensive players, rookies-wise, a little bit longer to get sort of comfortable and get ready to play. And I said about Christian Watson on Monday's show, and I said, you know what? If they are a playoff team and whatever, they're 7-10 and 10 or they're 9-8 and eight or 8-9, whatever it may be, but you have really encouraging signs from Watson and Walker, I think we'll take that, right? That will have solace in that to say, Maybe next year is going to be different. And I, I still I still will probably feel that way no matter how this, this thing ends up, that they are in a good spot next year, that this was way too much transition and that changes will happen and that Green Bay will, will essentially figure it out. I don't think this is a years-long malaise as some fans do. Like I have friends in my group chats who are panicking that this is going to be the next 10 years. I think that's a little dramatic um, at this point. Four kegs, I, Christian Watson again, like two more touchdowns. Uh, he's five touchdowns in his last two games. Um, he didn't necessarily have as impactful of a game as he did in the one against Dallas. He also throttled down, which he needs to stop doing. I think, again, that'll come with time, right? He needs to just trust that Aaron Rodgers is going to get him the football and be a little bit better on judging those deep passes. But I, I think that's okay. Um, still a good game. Still two touchdowns. Uh, he looks the part, man. That catch he made on 
the Titans defender where he had the Randy Moss moment is just incredible. And we talked about it earlier about what this team looks like if Christian Watson is healthy the whole year. But yeah, an absolute dunking on the Titans defender. And I think there's going to be a lot of, yeah, the Packers suck, but we have Christian Watson. And he he looks like a star. Um, the whole sort of bust angle on him was way too quick. And it just shows you sometimes how overreactionary we can be in the sort of social and media space. Preston Smith, birthday boy, also is every 4K. He played his ass off. Yeah, I thought he played really well in this game. Provided a great pass rush uh, on it, whether it be at the left side, right side. Uh, he was good. He had one and a half sacks. Um, all, all goes Preston Smith. He, he continues to bust his ass. He continues to have a really good season. Uh, to me, he's one of the pro bowlers on this team. I don't really care too much about pro bowls. Um, it's, again, just a fan vote at this point. But I love the idea of Preston Smith and Aaron Jones. I think both of those guys are deserving. I think there are a couple others you could maybe pick out. But Jones and Smith deserve to be there. Three kegs. It was hard to find a three keg guy who was kind of average in this game. I went with Rasul Douglas just because he made the interception, but I don't know. I don't like that. Who would I give a three keg to? Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do three kegs to the run defense, right? They did a pretty good job on Derrick Henry. I'll throw out Rasul Douglas. You have to give them credit for how they, they, they held up against Derrick Henry. I wish they were able to do that on the pass side too, but having Derrick Henry to 3.1 yards and under 100 yards, like that's all you want, right? Like that's all you want from stopping Derrick Henry. So yes, the run defense definitely showed up. Just wish they would have done, you know, had it all, all together, right? And I think if they did, we're talking about, you know, a turnaround for Joe Barry, but we're not. Instead, we're talking about wanting to fire his ass. Two kegs goes to Alan Lazard. I thought it was a really weird game from Alan Lazard. I felt like there were moments in there where he had some drops. I thought there was some miscommunication with Aaron Rodgers. That just shouldn't happen. Alan Lazard's way too good of a player to have this type of stuff. Didn't seem like he was totally engaged in the game. Um, I, I didn't like. I just didn't like the body language from Lazard, and that's not great, especially as one of Aaron Rodgers' best friends, one of the guys Aaron Rodgers rides for. Um, he didn't look like even a number two receiver last night. Two kegs also goes to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, again, like Aaron Rodgers' first three quarters was pretty solid. Um, and things were kind of moving in the right direction. And then the fourth quarter, it fell apart. And Aaron, Rod Aaron Rodgers took responsibility, said he needed to be better, um, which I think everybody would appreciate. Of course, you know, as the media goes, nobody, nobody pointed that out yesterday, that Aaron Rodgers took responsibility for playing like shit, um, which good on him. He's right. Um, and if Aaron Rodgers is a little bit better in the fourth quarter, who knows? I mean, the defense did hold strong in that fourth quarter, but they still gave up 27 points and gave up, you know, Tannehill throwing all over the fucking field against them. So I'm not excusing what they did as like an out here, but they had an opportunity to come back and try to win this game. And Aaron Rodgers let them down. And that has been the case a couple times this year. And it's very, it's very disheartening. Um, it's the worry of that Aaron Rodgers is washed. I hope that's not the case. I hope that this is, again, just a bad sort of couple weeks. Um, I think there are people who believe that his mojo's kind of gone and he's a little bit rattled mentally. Um, yeah, th that could be it. And who knows? And there, it'll, we'll just have to see, man. And I think at some point he'll get his time off. 
but it'll be you're gonna have at least two more losses before that's happening. They have to lose two more games before you're finally gonna get Rodgers needs thumb surgery and it's short love time. Uh, so we'll wait for that day and definitely talk about that good day. One keg. Uh, it's really all the coaching staff. Uh, we talk about Joe Barry's defense a lot. Um, Matt Flair was also bad. Like even though the defense was terrible, I thought Matt Flair's game plan here was was terrible. Um, he basically tried to do similar stuff they did against Dallas, and it's like just roll the ball up. And it's like no, it's like a lot of AJ Dillon early because AJ, it's cold weather and tackling AJ Dillon and. A.J. Dillon, again, was more of that plotting running back versus the guy we saw against Dallas, the guy we saw against Buffalo. So is A.J. Dillon just getting up for big games and not getting up for the ones like this? I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, it was a, it's a really shitty, shitty game from Matt LaFleur, obviously shitty from Joe Barry. Also one keg to the officials. Um, you know, again, I, I don't think the officials were the main benefactor of why the Packers lost this game, but they missed the hold on Derrick Henry that led to the second touchdown. They also missed the P.I., on the other side, that was a Packer field goal instead. Um, you know, that that's game-changing shit. That's 11 points right there. And if, you know, that those break the way of the Packers, Packers prob- might might win this game. I don't know if they do win this game, but they, they might. And But it just speaks to this year, man. It's been a year from hell. We have not caught one fucking break, whether it's officials, whether it's bounces. You know, Derrick Henry didn't fumble yesterday. Tannehill didn't fumble. They didn't force any turnovers. And it's just our type of year, man. And we'll have to see what happens in Philadelphia in 10 days. You get a little bit of a mini buy. That's great. Uh, you get Thanksgiving pretty much to spend with your family. But it should be all focused on the Eagles and trying again to save your season, which is pretty much on life sport. Uh, you're going to need to revive it quite a bit. You're going to need to get quite a bit of help. And kind of starts starts this, sat, this Sunday, right? Like if you do sort of a Packers rooting guide, on Sunday, there are there are a few options, right? Like you have to, I wouldn't say root. I'd, I'd actually root for the Eagles against the Colts. Um, I, I think the Col- Eagles losing two straight, I don't think there's any way they would lose three straight. So there's that factor. I think you have to also root for the Lions against the Giants. Giants right now seven and two. I think you have to root root against the Giants there. I think another another spot is rooting against the Commanders against the Washington or against uh, Houston. Excuse me, uh, that's another rooting interest. So uh, you have to root against the Cowboys. You actually have to cheer for the Vikings. I know that's as bad as that sounds, but yeah, you have to hope the Vikings win in that game, uh, and then you have to hope the Cardinals win in Mexico City against San Francisco 49ers. I um, know the Cardinals are four and six, which is weird. But if the Cardinals do win that game, they actually have a better record than the Packers. So I don't know. Maybe you don't want the Cardinals win. Maybe. You, Maybe you do cheer for the 49ers in that one. That's a, it's kind of one where you, you benefit no matter what. But, yeah, you gotta start you got to start thinking about those things. And that's sort of going to be the thought process the rest of the way. But, again, it's life support. You probably shouldn't care that much. Um, and just, just keep an open mind. And I would say take it day by day. It sucks that this is how we have to end a week. Um, we don't even get a full week to celebrate that Dallas win. Um, we have, we're back in it and we're back in the shit. And I think everybody just doesn't know really what to think. So, all right, let's talk about the Badgers and the Bucks real quick. And then we'll ride out of here for our, should I bet my team? We have the Badgers against Nebraska, 11 a.m. Start ESPN. Uh, the Badgers are a 10 and a half point favorite on the road in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, this line moved down. I was started at 13, which I thought was wild. 10 and a half. I think still is wild. Um, this is a total stay away for me. I do not like this one one bit. 
I know Nebraska has been struggling, but they have played pretty well on the road or pretty well at home. Excuse me. Um, you know, they fought with Minnesota. Uh, they have had some. They didn't beat Indiana at home. Uh, they haven't exactly got blown out. I know Illinois twenty six to nine wasn't exactly a. You know, that was an asking. They did get blown out in that game, even though the score doesn't exactly show it. Illinois dominated that football game. But I would not lay the 10 with Wisconsin on the road. Uh, it's, I believe, seen, it's senior day for Nebraska, right? It's their last home game of the season. Uh, no no thanks. Uh, that, to me, it seems like a close game. I know the Badgers have had a lot of success against Nebraska, but the Badgers have been a little bit shaky on the road with losses to Michigan State, losses to Iowa. Uh, I think their only road win so far this season has been Northwestern. So, uh, yeah, I'm not trusting this Badger team on the road to cover 10 points. So, if anything, if I was a mutual observer, I'd love Nebraska in this, plus the 10. I was going to take the over, uh, but the winds are high. Uh, the winds are going to be at fi- at 15 to 25 miles an hour, um, and that would signal uh, more of an under, more of a low-scoring affair, uh, which I guess plays into the Badgers. But, again, that goes back to 10 points, like, Usually, uh, if you're if you're really sort of a game flow type of person, you do not necessarily take a big spread and then take the under uh, because the thought would be if there's less points, it's probably harder to cover that ten points. Uh, but yeah, the winds are going to be at fifteen to thir- fifteen to twenty five miles an hour. Um, I had flirted with saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going to take the over," but I was like, "Let me look at the weather." And sure enough, it's going to be chilly. It's going to be cold in Nebraska. So the weather, the cold wouldn't bother me, but the winds definitely do. And yeah, it could be a wonder potential here. Uh, and I guess for that point, point maybe it works in the Badgers' favor, right? We saw two weeks ago against Maryland, the Badgers, you know, had the Badger weather type, and they were able to run all over. Maryland, Nebraska is not a good defense. Um, they've struggled, you know, all year in terms of giving up points. And I would imagine that Wisconsin could have similar success. I think Graham Mertz, you know, needs to be a little more within himself. Um, he can't be making dodo plays anymore. Um, it's crazy that he still is, right? Um, he's been there for so long. You'd think that Graham Martz has learned, but he's like, no, 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 I have not learned. I have not learned my lesson. I still make those dodo plays, but granted, going from Iowa's defense to Nebraska's defense is like going from taking an AP physics test to go taking like elementary math. So hopefully there will, there will be some success with Graham Martz, even with the wind. But yeah, I'm not touching that over or that under. So a true stay away weekend for the Badgers and Nebraska. I can't can't really find, pick something out for you. I can't fake it and tell you, oh yeah, take the Badgers 10. I mean, if you wanted to put the Badgers on a tease, you could and take it down to three. Uh, but I think that you're asking for fucking trouble with that. Like, I don't know, man. Like, do you really want to put a, a team on the road who's not very good in a tease? I'm unsure. I still like the Badgers to win this game. I just expect it to be kind of close. And the Badgers obviously are playing for something too. Uh, you can't be discounted. They need to get one more win to be bowl eligible. And I think that matters, obviously, to Wisconsin and, you know, the guys that are playing. So, I, I look at that, and I, th- I think that will will drive them. I think you'll get a nice Braylon Allen day. I think, again, Mertz will stay within himself, and I think Nebraska's offense, which has kind of fallen apart recently, will continue to stay broken. Badger defense is still good. You can't, can't deny that, and they don't have the passer to really worry you. And they've, they've certainly fixed a lot of things defensively since that Michigan State game. Uh, that Michigan State game was 
pretty awful. But since then, if you look at the offense their defense, it's been pretty solid. And, you know, if you take away the pick six and the block punt against that Iowa game, it's a 10-10 football game. So really got scored on once in that Iowa game. And you have to – you at least have to acknowledge that for the Badger defense. Moving on to Bucks sixers tonight. Uh, that will be a ESPN game. The Sixers are actually a two-point favorite. I think that is wild to me that the Sixers are getting that much love. Uh, I don't exactly see it. I know – the Bucks are banged up. I know that you might be missing Drew Holiday still and Pat Conton, but I don't think that's one you're, you're like, oh yeah, the Bucks. Bucks are certainly, you know, there. Bucks and Sixers right now are about the same in net rating. If we look at the last eight games, uh, both teams are playing pretty good defense. Uh, Bucks are at 105 over 100, 100 possessions. Uh, the Sixers are 106. So both have pretty, actually, two best defensive ratings in the last eight games. So Sixers have really ramped up their defense. Um, if anything in this game, I, I, I'm taking the Bucks probably. Uh, take the money line there. No need to play the two because if you lose because the Bucks lost by one or, or you push it two, so it's not really worth it. Just get the, probably get plus odds with the money line, probably like a 110 or something like that. I take that. It's now down to one and a half. So even more intense to take that money line. The over-under is at 213. Man, even with how good these teams have played defensively, I don't know. 213 is low. Like 213, you do not see. Like I, that might be the lowest over-under total on the board for this night of hoops. Yes, it is by far. It is. There's the only thing that comes close is Nuggets Mavericks. And I think that's with some assumption Jokic isn't playing. I think he's in health and safety protocols, which I didn't know that health and safety protocols existed in 2022. Uh, but that's here and are there. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't exactly, I don't exactly like uh, that over under, even though it could be a rock fight and it was a rock fight the last time, you know, these two teams met and it, it definitely went under. Um, I don't know if I would feel that confident um, in it. I do like the Bucks because of the fact they don't have James Harden to bail them out. And it's been a very heavy Embiid-focused um, since Harden's injury, and that plays exactly into the Bucks' hands. Also, too, another thing. So maybe maybe what you do, maybe it's a first-half underplay because the – the Sixers haven't played since Sunday. I mentioned that I think on another pod, but you know the layoff there, you, you kind of want the Bucks to jump out, right? Like take that momentum from Cleveland and bring it into this game. I realize it's a one-game trip to Philly. They're back home for Portland, Chicago, and Cleveland next week. Um, their road schedule really ramps up in a few weeks here. I think in December, but yeah, I I think this is a good. Good opportunity for the Bucks to kind of again establish themselves, and they've been doing it all November. I think, yeah, the Atlanta blip, sure, whatever. But I think if you look at it and see, they would then have two wins against Philly. You know, in terms of tiebreakers, in terms of everything else, and if they were able to beat Cleveland next week, that'd be another two two games up, and that'd be really important. So, yes, it has been NBA focused. He's at forty two and fifty nine in his last two games. Uh, but he hasn't been facing Brooke Lopez, a.k.a. Defensive Player of the Year, which, remember, on this podcast, I said Brooke Lopez 250-1 to on for Defensive Player of the Year. That's interesting. Think I bet it? No, of course not. Why, why would I, right? I would love to be sitting on a ticket for probably $400, but instead, I'm not. So 
here there you have it like even like even if you just put three bucks on that you get like 700 back that's crazy whatever uh i that will probably bother me to no end and i i just i don't know if i can have brooke lopez win defensive player of the year i think it would it would haunt it would honestly haunt my nightmares uh i would just it would keep me up at night that that would be as big of a missed opportunity as you know great as the joe burrow i think i had him at 125 to one uh was that would be just the inverse and i would <laughs> just I, I don't know i i couldn't i couldn't deal with it um all right that was it for today's show. Sorry that this got up late. I actually had some technical difficulties halfway through. You guys don't know that. This stopped recording. Oh no, did it. Okay, I, I looked at another one. I was like, oh my God, did this stop? Like I've just, whatever. It's been, it's, it sums up, right? Packers struggle, I struggle. Um, so yeah, the, hope you guys have a good weekend. Hopefully Twitter stays around. Thought the Twitter freak out has been fucking ridiculous. Um, everybody's being so dramatic. It's like, I don't know. Just because one reporter is like, they closed their doors and Twitter shut it down. Like, just settle down. Just let let it let it go, right? Um, and then Qatar banning banning beer two days before the World Cup sounds about right. Like as pointed out by Bill Connolly, who's great, uh, was like sports washing, which is what Qatar is doing. And if you guys are unfamiliar with the sports washing term, really quick, it's like basically, hey, we have all these human rights violations, but we're going to use sports to make us look good. And, but you're supposed to, in the sports washing thing, be able to just be like, all right, yeah, like, we're cool. Like, yeah, come to Qatar, guys. And it's like, nah, we don't want you having sex. Yeah, don't, don't show off your gay. Um, also, yeah, we're not going to have you drink. Yeah. How much more of an asshole can Qatar look like? Oh, yeah, and they were harassing journalists. Like, it's really bad, man. It's going to be funny to watch Fox podcast because... I don't know what they do. Like, Alexi Lalas is a pretty outspoken guy. Like, I don't know. I mean, if Alexi Lalas is in, in L.A., maybe he can. But, you know, you got to talk about this stuff. You can't just run from it. They, so, World Cup gets started on on Sunday. There's also rumors that Ecuador Ecuadorian players have been paid, like, $8 million to take a dive uh, in the game and let Qatar win. Um, we'll see what that's all about. But yeah, Qatar is a weird country. I think that's what we, we all can just say that. And Qatar is off the list of places to travel. I don't think it was ever on the list, but it's certainly off it after this. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And I'm sure we'll talk smatterings of World Cup um, during our, our podcast in the next couple of weeks. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a good weekend. Uh, stay warm out there. It's going to be a chilly one, but warms up after. So that you got that looking forward to. So just know next week it gets warm. So be all right for your turkey bowl and other Thanksgiving activities. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.